And just like that, everyone, training camp is kind of over. Well, I mean, we still have three practices to go, but 70% of the practices are done, which means the Bills will soon be shifting into the next portion of the summer, which is gearing up for preseason games and which really stand as the time for all of these younger and bottom-of-the-roster players to try and play their way onto the team. So the training camp itself has all been around trying to figure out what is going on with the first team and, and the players on the first team. And Matthew Fairburn, that's that's kind of uh, how things have gone here. I mean, that's that's been the most interesting part. Last year it was just totally up in the air because the whole roster was. But this year it's like, okay, there are so many things that are defined. And now it's trying to figure out if it's any good. And I think the first thing is Josh Allen. Yeah, I think it starts and stops there in a lot of ways because all the money that they put into this team, all the draft picks and and resources they invested in the offense don't mean a whole lot if the quarterback isn't right. And I think he's been, you know, he's had his ups and downs. And we kind of said before going into this that, you know, training camp wasn't going to decide anything. And, you know, I've had people ask me, you know, what can he do in the next month to make you feel like he's definitely the guy? And my answer is nothing. And some people might think that's unfair, but I just don't know that anything that happens on a practice field or in a preseason game should be enough to convince anyone 100% of who this guy is. And But you get clues. And I, I think there's, you know, it's obvious that this offense is farther along than it was a year ago at this time. It's not even close. It's funny to think back and think that Nate Peterman was leading the quarterback oh, competition, yeah. um, you know, this time last year. So obviously a lot has changed for the better. I think Josh Allen has changed for the better. I think he's, you know, been more confident, more in control of the offense. But you still see some of those throws, uh, the accuracy issues that pop up and, you just wonder how it's all going to look when he's up against another defense and, and when games count. Yeah, I, and to a certain degree, I, I think um, he's been he's been better. I mean, the last two days have not been his best. Um, I think there is a, a specific reason for that uh, being the case on Wednesday, at least, because they did a lot of you know second and longs, third and longs, um, and a lot of uh, a lot of those adverse situations, and even in a two minute drill where it's pass happy, you know the um, the opposing defense is going to be coming after you. The opposing defense knows exactly what you're going to be doing, and so there's not a lot of uh, I guess variance for for what could happen to them. And and that's something that Josh Allen is going to have to deal with as he goes through the rigors of a regular season, but. Um, I think before these past couple of days, this, I, th- I would say this today, Thursday, was probably his worst of, of training camp so far. Um, but from there, you look at all the other days to where it looked like he was starting to come along in certain areas. Those, uh, I know the, the one that we've really been talking about is the intermediate areas, the short routes. And, and it seems like he's not only throwing those with some zip, but also when t- with touch when required to. And, and these are encouraging signs, but he's still only staying in the pocket 
for as long as he is because he's not going to get hit. And that is really where it needs to improve once they get in the regular season. And it, it got better as the year went along last year, but too often, because he didn't have any trust in the offensive line, he would go into hero mode that we kept talking about. And while it, it was good that it gained them yards, it also puts him at the liberty of getting hit a bunch. And as he went on last year and, and the regular season, it started to get a bit better, and he started to stand in the pocket a bit more, became a much more effective passer. And that's that's the road he needs to continue to travel down. And, and uh, I wonder if we're going to see him kind of zip back at all to his pre-injury form once they actually get into a regular season and, try, and people are trying to bring him down. Yeah, it's it's tough to gauge during these practices. He's definitely hanging in longer. He's mm-hmm. going through his progressions more before trying to take the big play. And, you know, he seems to find his rhythm easier than he did this time last year, which are all good things, all things that you know, you'd want to see from him at this stage. Preseason games are going to be tough because they're not, you know, while you're up against another team and it's live action, it's the way that he plays the position and and the way that, you know, his mind works. Preseason is going to be a little bit tricky to kind of judge because the way he likes to put his body on the line and extend plays, he might be a little hesitant to do that in the preseason he's also going to have a smaller sample size in general just because he's not you know he's not going to be in there very long he's only going to have a handful of series and you know the the ability to establish a rhythm as an offense is limited when you're doing that but still a chance for him to and and you know a practice like today is a great example because they weren't in pads and you know some may think that that means you can't take anything away from it but I'm not totally convinced that's that's the case because you, they're in pads and they've got you know Mitch Morse down. They've got Quentin Spain mm-hmm. you know getting a rest day. That tests the depth of your offensive line, but also tests your quarterback to make it work. And it didn't look great today. Uh, and quite frankly, yeah, Mitch Morrison and Quentin Spain weren't in there, but neither was Jerry Hughes. You know, the best defensive end on this team. Yeah, totally. You know, there were. Micah Hyde wasn't out there either. So there's a little bit of that on both sides. And I, I think in the red zone work, he was just off target. He, it felt like he was rushed, which that's been the one noticeable thing for me is that up until this point, I hadn't noticed him rushing himself, mm-hmm. which is what he tends to do. And he did it a little bit today. And it seems like red zone or short areas, some of these throws that, not that red zone throws are easy, but you know some of the short ones are supposed to be easy. That's sometimes when he can rush and, and kind of rifle through his process quicker than he should. But you know I, I think we'll get a better idea when when the O line is totally healthy. But the fact of the matter is we don't know what the deal will be with Mitch Morris, and he has a a history of not staying healthy. And you know the depth on the offensive line looks a lot better, but you know. It didn't look that way today, mm-hmm. um, and it, let's face it: if you got Russell Bonine as your center, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, um, and that's not the guy you want snapping the ball to your franchise quarterback. I was about to say you brought up the injuries, and I wonder if that's part of the reason why he is, he rushed today. Um, I mean, if when you have your starting center continually getting pushed back into you, it's not it's not great, and then. 
Did you mention Quentin Spain? I forget if you did. Yeah. Quentin Spain not being out there, um, it certainly hurts things. I mean, it's just, I wonder if that small part into his brain kind of seeped in. But that said, I mean, there are going to be times throughout the year where he is he does not have his full complement of offensive linemen. And he can't, simply cannot, go into I'm going to do everything mode. That's... I mean, they want him to do a lot, and I know Brandon Bean likes that he has that mentality, but he also needs to depend on his teammates a bit more, and I wonder, because he was rushing and um, and perhaps a little bit closer to wanting to evade the pocket today than in previous days, you have to wonder if that's, that's part of it, or maybe it was just an off day for him, because he's done a nice job with it so far, but I suppose uh, a week of practice does not mean you're a finished product in a certain area we need to see it in the games we need to see it in regular season we need to see it consistently enough so Allen has quite a bit to work from through the first seven days of camp I mean the first five he was he was pretty good I wouldn't say he's really good not like oh my god draft Josh Allen in every single one of your fantasy leagues good but he was he was it's he, too late for that I'm sure hard. yes a lot of the listeners have already started to do that yes. I mean he was I think the top scoring quarterback over the last month of the season or something quarterback to have for fantasy if he is going to run the ball the way that he did and you know I don't know if Josh Allen is ever going to be you know the going to be a high-end quarterback in the way that they're traditionally thought of um he might uh he might develop like that as a passer and and be able to put up huge chunks of yards but could be successful in the short term simply by making enough big plays and limiting the negative plays that plagued him at times last year. And that doesn't mean that he has to play hero ball all the time, but big taking advantage of the open shots that are there, he has the arm and the, the vision down the field to do it, taking advantage of, you know, when the, the defense lets him, you know, run the football uh and Mm -hmm. most of his runs weren't designed they were just play broke down and he had a bunch of yards that he could pick up and it's a weird combination to defend a guy that can simultaneously destroy you with his arm down the field but will take advantage of it if you give him enough room to do it but he just needs to become more well-rounded in terms of how an offense is supposed to function and I think he now has the weapons to do it. He's mm-hmm. got, you know, he's shown some flashes of it and everybody knew when this guy was drafted it would take time. So nobody should expect him to be who he'll become in just his second training camp. And the one I think great thing about him is that he isn't stuck in into what he's always done. He's shown a major want to learn and grow in certain areas and uh, doesn't really have a bit of that stubbornness to him which you know some quarterbacks do have um he's so, also not I think the the one thing that you hate to see from a young quarterback is you know timidness or you know being scared right. or you know what you mentioned there is you know kind of making the same mistakes over and over again right kind of an you know an unwillingness to to learn or even or just areas that are just crippling them developmentally that they can't overcome and I think a lot of that is between the ears if you're you know 
timid or scared or whatever word you want to use, you're going to have a hard time developing some of these areas of the game. You're going to be Brand, people laugh sometimes when Brandon Bean says Josh Allen isn't afraid to make a mistake, you know, at, as one of his positives. But it's a positive because that's the best way to grow and learn and and make big plays sometimes. Mm-hmm. Eventually he'll have to rein it in a little bit. But while you're developing, being willing to push the envelope and figure out what works and what doesn't and, you know, test yourself and go out of your comfort zone and not be rattled by going out of your comfort zone or shell shocked. If it doesn't go well, that's, those are all good things to have uh, as a young quarterback. You know, I, I think when you were going through and saying, you know, uh, stuck between the ears, Bill's fans are going rifling through their minds, Trent Edwards, EJ Manuel, all of these quarterbacks that, Seem like, hey, they have something for a little bit of time and then ultimately not because they just kept doing the same things over and over again. And that's that's a good thing about Josh Allen. Now, this whole time, which is the reason why I didn't uh, realize if you said Quentin Spain or not, you said something at the beginning to where I'm like, I'm going to go see something. Because you brought up Peterman and how Peterman looked good this time of year. And I then it brought my mind to, okay, did either of us go over the top on Twitter? when it came to Nathan Peterman last year. So I I uh, advanced Twitter search between the times of July 25th and August 25th of last season. Neither of us did. We were both very down the middle, uh, just saying, hey, he might, and and Josh Allen might not. That was basically the extent of it. So That's, that's good news. High five to so the I ass man need, over here. So I don't need to go delete any old tweets. <laughs> no, I was thinking, like, do I need to delete something? No, we were uh, we were very much not going over the top, which, you know, training camp, you sometimes there is the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I guess it's, it's tempting, very tempting to come away with these grandiose uh, feelings and, and be set in your opinions. But, uh, you know, I, especially with this, with Peterman, we had seen the movie before. I feel good about it. Yes, we I know. had. Uh, yeah, we did. He had that Chargers game, and you'd be hesitant to put any sort of stamp of approval on him. But mm-hmm. he did win the job, which speaks to what they had at quarterback last year and what Josh Allen looked like. I mean, Nate Peterman would have no shot of winning a competition against this version of Josh Allen. So, no, no. you know, there was all there that's also just calls into question the whole situation last year, but I know. It does speak to training camp and training camp is is a fun time of year in a lot of ways. Um, you know, because football's back and you can learn some things, but I, I think there's it's funny because we spend every single day at Bill's training camp. So in that respect, we know the Bills really well. Mm-hmm. But we don't spend any time at other camps to kind of see, like, what does Matt Ryan look like? You know, how does that offense operate? Luckily this year we get the Panthers. Right. So that's a little bit of a measuring stick. But but then you also have the – so you think, oh, well, maybe then you could trust the guys that do the little tour, you know, and go around everywhere, which seems like a good time. But they only get a day. You know, if, if NFL Network was here today, for instance, and Josh Allen didn't have his best day, 
if NFL Network were here on Saturday when he and John Brown were lighting it up, you know, it, it's that's the hard part. They get to see a ton of training cams, but they get to see a snapshot of each. And the ebbs and flows of training camp are significant. Uh, and I imagine that's the case not just here, but a lot of places. So that's what makes it tricky to draw conclusions. I do think you start to, you know, certain things show up over and over again. Shaq Lawson looks mm-hmm. really good mm-hmm. almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, looks better than he has in almost any camp. I think probably any camp since uh, he's been here. You know, you start to see things over time, but all the while remembering, yeah, Shaq Lawson had a great day today, but nobody was wearing pads. So, True. you know, you keep all those things in mind. And I think the quarterback position is especially one that you have to be careful with just because none of this – it's really difficult to simulate uh, an NFL game when a defense is game planning. And, you know, a defensive lineman – is going to be a defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in practice, in a game, you're doing essentially the same thing. A quarterback has so much on his plate during a game in terms of nerves, uh, reading a defense that could be very confusing, uh, adjusting to what the defense is trying to do, situations that weren't planned for, a whole bunch of different things. And I just think it's really hard to to simulate that in practice or to simulate it in a game. Now, it is great that he looks – Josh looks better as uh, a practice quarterback because you do have to be a pretty good practice quarterback to be a good game quarterback. It's better than if he were looking terrible every day. Uh, it's just hard to really, you know, contextualize it all and, and draw conclusions from it. I agree with you, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think back to, I think it was your first year on the beat, the Steelers joint practices where we were we were sitting around watching E.J. Manuel toss the duke every day and then we went to latrobe and for the first time in about i don't know two or three weeks we we saw a quarterback throw an out route with anticipation and i remember going oh so that's what that looks like in person or that's just what an, this is how an nfl offense operates during right, practice right when have a veteran quarterback which yeah. is it's funny because a lot of people you know although people who listen to this pod, podcast now champion mike rodak but a lot of people would give him grief for comparing things to the Patriots from when he covered the Patriots. But he had that, you know, perspective to be like, all right, obviously not every team is the Patriots and expecting EJ Manuel or Tyrod Taylor to be Tom Brady is not realistic, but that's the bar. That's Mm -hmm. what you're shooting for. That's what it looks like. And, you know, then you can see what the bills look like and kind of, Compare the two. That's same thing that happened in Pittsburgh. Yep. The biggest takeaway from that pre-vacation pod was, damn it, guys, you made me like Rodak. Want to know why? Because Rodak's a good guy. And he is. Unfortunately, he's, he's very funny. Right at the end, right on his way out the door. And he was feeling it that day. He was rolling. I went back and listened to that. That was that was awesome. He did not care. He did not. He, no, he did not give a shit what his son thought. No. He was he letting it fly. He did not. Um, all right, let's get into some offensive line talk because uh, we haven't seen a ton of movement, but we have recently uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, because Mitch Morse has been put into the concussion protocol now for the fourth time in his career, or the fourth documented concussion. Yeah, this anyway. is his fourth documented in concussion the NFL. since entering the league. Yeah. You're not really required to do much in that regard 
uh, in college in terms of disclosing that type of stuff. Obviously, high school is an entirely different animal, too. Four concussions, two of which have kept him out longer than a week. He mm-hmm. missed two playoff games in 2015 uh, with his second concussion of that season, and he missed six weeks last year. With One concussion. of which was a bye. Right. So five total games. But, yeah, six yeah. weeks that he was in the protocol. Yeah, 100%. So first padded practice, he gets a concussion. Yeah, not great. Not not good for a guy with a history like that and you know the research is all you know pointing towards if you've had three or more you're more likely to get them in the future and you know from a human standpoint you know it's a really tough issue to grapple with I'm sure when this is you know the the way you make your living and and the way you support your family and and everything you've ever known but you'd certainly have concern for Mitch Morse uh long term the more you know head injuries he gets and then obviously from a a football standpoint they invested a lot in this guy Mm -hmm. and not just from a money standpoint but they were banking on him being kind of their most important free agent addition there's been a lot of talk about how key he is to that offensive line to not have him puts you kind of back at square one in a lot of ways so and it's it's not you know an ideal situation yeah now since he's been here because he had that setback right when he signed and had to get the core muscle surgery um, that sat him down for the majority of the spring he only practiced twice then to start training camp he was in the two non-padded practices and then in the first padded practice of the season of, of training camp. So five total practices for him so far out of 12, 16. So he's missed 16. No, he's missed. He has missed. Let's see. Quick math. 14 practices, 14 out of a possible 19 practices, which not ideal, not ideal whatsoever. So I think for, for them, they just, and I guess the one good part about this is that he has been on the field he has uh they have um, been working him along the side he has been standing in the background of his teammates as they're in team drills so it's not as though he's just in a in a room without uh, where they don't want to turn on the lights or or, yeah, or, or open the windows or anything you like look that. at the which I'm happens not, sometimes right i'm not in an expert yeah, same. on on head injuries and all that and you know where he may or may not be in the protocol but there is a difference between the concussion that keeps you out for six weeks and the one that causes you to miss a game or two mm-hmm. um and you know we saw carlos williams get a really nasty one a few years ago and Derek anderson is the other one i think of because he was out for a long time last year. Uh, he did not look like himself for a while. And he was not, you know, and I actually saw Mitch today and talked to him briefly, but, you know, he, again, you know, I'm not a doctor, but you can just, like you said, he's doing some things out mm-hmm. in the hot sun mm-hmm. and, you know, moving around, getting exercise. And this is not a situation where he's being a super tough guy doing this. They wouldn't let him do that if, you know, he hadn't passed certain stages of the protocol. So if he has avoided one of those concussions that's a 
six-week ordeal, that's good news. But every little one makes it more likely that you get another one. And it's one of those issues that the team has to keep an eye on long term. I mean, there's now there have been way more Russell Bodine reps with the ones than I ever thought there would be entering training camp, I know, I uh, especially considering Spencer Long and John Feliciano worked a lot there in the spring. And I mean, if you got to go with Bodine, then, you know, if that's the, the main backup plan, I, I just think you're in, in a world of trouble. I do. I do as well. I think part of it was today anyway, um, they didn't have Quentin Spain, uh, and that's why Bodine got the full compliment. And then the day before, they didn't have Spencer Long, which is why Bodine again. But when they had all of those guys, they did it like a three-man rotation where um, it was either Bodine or Spencer Long taking the ones, and then either Spencer Long or John Feliciano or Bodine taking um, reps at right guard. So they're trying to figure some stuff out there, not only for their starting position, but also for who's going to be the main depth guy. But there is a, uh, a trump card here, and that is something that we have seen over the last couple of days. Um, Ty Inseki is making his charge, and we have we talked about it. I know you've written about it specifically, about how Ty Inseki just seems like he's, he's better than, than just being the swing tackle. Um, and I think that couples up with... Cody Ford struggling with something pretty easy to see, and that's rushing uh, when opponents rush out wide, and he is unable or mostly unable to deal with that speed competently enough. Um, and then as a result, what we saw yesterday uh, at, during Wednesday's practice was a counter move where the defensive end faked a, faked a wide rush and got him moving and then cut it inside, and it just got to the quarterback that much quicker. But when you look at all of these different things, you're like, okay, well, if it's a bull rush, he's got it. If it's a, a flat out inside move right from the get go, he's got him. So if if he has the if if he can capably do those short area things and inside the phone booth, as as the football guys like to say, then ideally you think, okay, he he'd be a pretty good guard if he's able to do all that because it, he doesn't have to deal with the space. So if you have Ty and Seki over on the right side, and these last two practices, and Seki and Co- Cody Ford have basically split the uh, first team reps evenly at right tackle, um, whereas Deion Dawkins has been has taken the lion's share of, of reps at left tackle with the ones. So if you have Inseki, who is practicing well at right tackle, and Cody Ford, who is just young into his career and um, is performing poorly out on the right side and you think he could be a really good player on the inside and you don't have a really good player on the inside it kind of seems like common sense here i mean why try and force the issue uh at right tackle if that part of his game just isn't there and i'm not saying to to change it right away just see what he does in the preseason game or a preseason game or two but eventually I feel like it would be in their best interest to see him at guard. Yeah, I think, I mean, whether it's left or right tackle, I, I just think Ty Inseki belongs on the field. I do too. I think if you don't think he's one of your five best offensive linemen, you're kidding yourselves. And, you know, it's only been a week. and But when you see him with the second team, it's just like, 
some of the guys that are going up against him just kind of shrug. It's like, why are, you know, he's head and shoulders above a lot of those guys. And it's not to say he's been perfect. Mm -hmm. He's gotten beat a time or two, but the guy is really strong. Uh, You know, when he gets his hands on you, it's pretty tough. And he's got good feet, too. I mean, he's a guy that I think just belongs on the field. And he's sprinkled in at left tackle, but most of his work has been on the right side. And Cody Ford is probably the better candidate to move to guard. But the beauty of it is, if you've got a problem with Deion Dawkins at some point during the year, whether he gets hurt or he, you know, his play slips... There's nothing stopping you from flipping Ty and Seke over there and kicking Cody Ford back out to tackle. You know, I think that's the beauty of trying to cross-train a guy like Ford is can you flip him, you know, back and forth from right to left? Probably not. But if you can flip him from guard to tackle, mm-hmm. I know a lot of, and, and we've even talked about how it's easier said than done sometimes and how it takes time to, you know, train at, at both of those positions. And the coaches love to talk about how, you know, how challenging that can be. But you look around the league, there are players who capably do that or have guys who have had good careers at one position move inside and have even better careers at another position or, you know, those are the best linemen, I think. And if they think Cody Ford has the ability to do that, you know, get him his reps at right tackle. And, and when you think he's, you know, gotten a, a good, you know, base underneath him, let him, you know, see what he can do at guard. And if that helps you get Ty and Seke on the field, then there's a lot of versatility to this line. But what we saw today was almost the, the worst possible scenario, which mm-hmm. is having you know, Quentin Spain out and Mitch Morse out because they've kind of penciled those guys in as starters. Oh, yeah. I'd say out of all the spots on the line, those guys are the two starters. Deion Dawkins is probably close to securing his spot, and those two are right there. And then so then you're trying to figure out, all right, got to put Spencer Long at left guard or Wyatt Teller, and then that leaves you down to Russell Bodine at center and you're in trouble. Whereas if you kick Cody Ford inside, then you could conceivably have Feliciano as your backup center and Spencer Long as a swing guard. You know, keep both those guys and find a way to, to mm-hmm. make that work. Right. There's a lot of different combinations that work when you do it that way. But when you have it like they did today and there's a time when Russell Bodine's on the field and Ty Seke isn't, it just seems like you're, you're not getting your best five. Yeah, I agree. Um, and this is not a... Cody four stinks. It's a it's a waste of a pick sort of thing. It's that's not the scenario. I, this is a move to maximize his potential, at least in my mind. And you know, usually, usually I get once at training camp, I get stuck on something. I think this is my thing. I, I think this is until we see Cody Ford really start to go and and do the things um, and be able to block consistently out wide then it's going to continue to be a problem, obviously. And teams and players are going to continue to hit him with that until he proves otherwise. But I just think if if you put him inside a guard, you are solving two problems for the price of one. And even though he was a second-round pick, and I don't know if the if there are some people out there who even think to themselves, oh, he was a second-round pick, you don't waste a second-round pick on, on a guard. 
well, a lot of teams were, were thinking about drafting him in the first round as a guard. So I don't really... And a lot of teams took guards in the first yeah, round. Yeah, I, I, I think the second round, especially where they took him, I don't really see a problem in using that sort of investment on a player that can shore up the interior for you, which otherwise would be a pretty significant problem. I mean, let's not forget this is a this is a team that had one of the worst interior units in all of football last year, and it uh, it might have been the worst. Um, I know the Raiders probably gave them some uh, a run for their money, but still, if you have the opportunity to do that, have Ty and Secchi start for you. Deion Dawkins is looking a lot better this year, and Mitch Morse he comes back, and Quentin Spain who has been up and down, but mostly up so far in camp. He's a good player. You have you have a solid offensive line, and based on where you just came from, with the potential to get even better, because if Deion Dawkins ends up hitting, and if Cody Ford becomes as good of a guard as he teases to be, then you have something really good to work with at the offensive line, and it's the so important. The offensive line had a huge day the other day. Yeah. They were kind of the running game? the defensive oh, line yeah. alive. And, you know, so when they're healthy... And when you got the right combo out there, this could be a good group and a good group, uh, you know, run blocking as well. And that is where a lot could change for this offense. If they can run the football effectively, it, it should take some heat off of, of Josh Allen and allow him to, you know, operate in a more functional offense. And, you know, we'll get to see what that looks like. And I think they have the pieces to do it. They just need to get healthy and kind of figure out this five but today it looked like you saw kind of the worst case scenario Mm -hmm. of what happens if the wrong guys go down because they do have depth you know the idea that they don't have depth would be foolish but having the right depth you know is is probably you know the the problem that we saw today and there were a lot of guys resting so it's um you know it's not as if it's quentin spain will be back tomorrow and that will make things a, a lot better but Mitch Morris, who knows when he comes back, and, yeah. and they need him back, and they need him to stay healthy. They were lucky enough to get Spencer Long today, and he and might he might even be just a, a backup swing guy, which is fine. Yeah, you know, to have Spencer Long and potentially John Feliciano as your backups, yeah, really good situation. But the and only way that happens is one thing: is if Cody Ford kicks inside, yep, exactly, and I, or even if you've got, I mean. Geez, if you've got Ty and Seke as a backup, I, I don't think it's the right move. But you know, then you've got uh, a really good backup tackle, and you know Spencer Long as your backup swing guy on the interior. That's a, a pretty good group uh, to start as kind of your your core nucleus that you're building around. And but you gotta gotta stay healthy. An offensive line play across the NFL hasn't been great. I mean, it's it's a challenging thing to do to get that right. Mm-hmm. And they have. They have a shot to, to get it right here, they do. and they have some of the pieces. It's going to take some luck to get guys to stay healthy, and then it's just going to take finding the right combination, and the clock's ticking a little bit. We're in August now. Um, some other notes from practice. Let's let's focus in on some of the, the rookie players because I know, I know fans like to know how they're doing. Um, I mean, you, you, you kind of have to start with Ed Oliver, and um, he had a bit of a uh, – a down day a couple of days ago, but basically since the pads have gone on, the guy's been a monster. Yeah, he's been really, really good. Um, and 
maybe not every day. Like you said, there's been times where, you know, guys have been able to, to take control of him. But, man, mm-hmm. when he's up against, you know, yeah, people are going to think I'm really ragging on the guy. But when Russell Bodine's in there, he's got no shot against Ed Oliver. Almost I mean, you're every not run. wrong. You're I not mean, wrong. You know, and uh, there have been plays, double teams that Ed Oliver is splitting the ramifications of what he can do for you know the rest of the defensive line uh it's pretty cool to think about not just even the rest of the defensive line the entire defense really and yeah in a lot of ways um the way he can free up Tremaine Edmonds Mm -hmm. the way he can free up Jerry Hughes Mm -hmm. to not be double teamed so often you know as a pass rusher there's a good chance he could be an upgrade over Kyle Williams the Kyle Williams that we saw last year obviously not saying he'll be better than Kyle Williams in his prime right away but the Kyle Williams uh you know that the Bills had last year who was still a good player just not quite what he was Ed Oliver could be an upgrade from a pass rush standpoint and funny enough I feel like Jordan Phillips has been a a pleasant surprise as well and they're big on the rotation and those are your you know Ed Oliver Jordan Phillips and Star Latulale are your three main rotational pieces at defensive tackle. Harrison Phillips is a notch behind, I think, because you can play Jordan Phillips, and we were talking about this walking up to lunch. Jordan Phillips can play, you know, that nose tackle spot. He's big enough to do it, and they've flirted with putting him there, which. I don't want to say it tells you something about Harrison Phillips uh, because Harrison Phillips is a fine number four in your Mm -hmm. interior rotation, but, you know, that's the best-case scenario for Ed Oliver to not be playing him 80% of snaps is to have him rotating, keeping him fresh. At least not as a rookie. Right, and and then, you know, being able to – he's going to wreak some havoc, I think. I do too. He's been, you know – He's definitely been as advertised, and you know he's a uh, he's he's off to a really good start. Oh yeah, and I don't think it will be too long until we start seeing him with the ones on a permanent basis. Um, he's pro- been there a lot. Probably not. Yeah, probably not going to happen uh, within the first couple of weeks of the preseason. Maybe it happens after the first preseason game, but you know I I've uh, I recently talked with with uh, Sean McDermott and part of his philosophy with not wanting to um, give these young players the entire the entire thing right away is um, to avoid an emergence of entitlement I believe is the term he used and that that's smart because especially in the case of Ed Oliver where he has been the guy basically since he was young and continuing on through high school, five-star recruit, going to Houston. As soon as he gets there, he's, he's the big man on campus and starts dominating Oklahoma offensive linemen as a, as a freshman. Um, and, and then getting drafted in the top ten, even though he's an undersized guy. He has always been or always had his tires inflated. And I, while Sean McDermott and the Bills still want to do a little bit of that, they also want to pump the brakes a bit on it and be like, no, this is different. You need to work at it here. And so perhaps that's their line of thinking. But before too long, it's going to happen. I mean, he's just too talented to keep off the field, even in a training camp practice, even in a regular season practice. You need to have him with the ones. Maybe he's not an 80% player. Maybe he's a 65 to 70% player, and you keep him fresh that much longer. Fine by me. Do what you need to do. 
he can be an impact player in his rookie season. It's easy to see against some veteran players. And this was even before he was going up against Russell Bodine. I mean, that first day, uh, if if he's up against, you know, Quentin Spain or Mitch Morse or any of those guys up front, he's he's looked the part. So all the signs are there for him to have a good first season. It's And then you have to think, okay, how high can this guy fly? So they, they, it seems like they are off to a tremendous start with their first-round pick. Uh, we talked about Cody Ford. I think the other the other ones I want to bring up, um, Jaquan Johnson. Watch out for him. I think he's gonna he's going to be the fourth uh, safety on this roster. He was their fifth round pick out of Miami. Uh, yeah, I think the safeties are pretty much locked. In. Yeah, Jordan the, Poyer, Micah Hyde, Kirk Coleman, and Jaquan Johnson. Dean Marlowe might have gotten cold clocked out of the safety competition by Ray Ray McLeod. Yeah, if if we're being honest, after he got put on his ass by John Feliciano. Did you like did, two plays earlier? Did you see the video from Matt Beauvais? Yeah, yes, you, yeah you told me about yeah, it. Yeah. That's right. Um of the look Ray Ray McLeod gave Dean Marlowe yeah, after t- they making quote, unquote, up talked it up, talked it out and <laughs> neither one looked satisfied with the uh, with the conclusion, but I would say yeah, Jaquan Johnson early on was, you know, still getting his footing, but has quickly, you know, kind of established himself as a yeah. guy that could be a backup and a special teams guy. And he's a bit more in the Poyer mold than he is the Hyde mode. I think he's more of that ball hawking and type. Coleman is Hyde's back. Has been Hyde's yeah. backup. He's the one who's filled in for Hyde. So, you know, you get a pretty good, pretty good depth there at mm-hmm. that position. Which Micah Hyde's been hurt the last couple of days as well, which gives you again just a reminder of. They've been pretty fortunate with injuries the last few years, and you know Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer might be you know one of the best safety tandems in the NFL. Kirk Coleman's pretty good, but there was a drop off. Oh yeah, uh, you know between Hyde and Coleman, and and so injuries are always a, a factor this time of year. They're not in terrible shape in that regard, but um, a few small ones that they just give you a preview of what what life would be like without without those guys, and in some cases it's not super pretty i do know the bills decision makers have taken quite a bit of a shine to johnson as well so that uh that probably lends itself to him being a pretty solid bet to be safety number four and then i think the only other one that is notable at this point um is devin singletary who you know the gap between him and tj yeldon is a is very large i mean even when Lashawn mccoy was down a couple days ago and not practicing Frank Gore didn't practice today. Devin Singletary um, was one of two running backs that took first-team reps, and TJ Yeldon did not sniff the field, which just goes to show um, where the depth chart is, where the break in the depth chart is, and where the bubble is from that point. And Singletary, I mean, again, training camp practice can't get too high on the guy. He's looked, it looks like it, it hasn't been too big for him, and that's what you want to see from a young running back like that. Yeah, there's... The pass protection element is still something he mm-hmm. has to catch up on. Everything else, he's looked really good. He's hard to get you know your hands on as a tackler, and he's caught the ball pretty well out of the backfield as well. So, you know, outside of pass protection, which is a normal problem for a rookie to have, he's been as advertised, and I would not be surprised if by the end of the season he's getting the majority of carries yeah. because, Same. you know, Frank Gore's looked really good. 
LaShawn McCoy, to be honest, hasn't been on the field enough for me to get a gauge of if he's back to his old self or um, if it's going to be another year like 2018. He's gotten such limited reps, and then he missed practice yesterday um, for another personal reason, off-field thing. So, uh, you know, he's been tough to get a gauge on. Frank Gore's looked great, mm-hmm. um, but Devin Singletary will be involved because he's, yeah. you know, the youngest – obviously of those backs but you know you can tell he has the freshest legs and that's not something that you know would have been you know totally obvious going into training camp it wasn't a given that he would be flashing the way that he is and that you would think to yourself they might be smart to have him on the field in a you know three-way timeshare Mm -hmm. because you know obviously he's behind on the depth chart you know two potential hall of famers and you know that's a a, an interesting situation to be in but he's he looks like he's going to be just fine to to handle a pretty significant workload early on yeah the most pleasant surprise about him which you alluded to was his ability to catch out of the backfield and to make people miss i mean he has been uh, the thorn in Matt Milano's side this camp. I mean, whenever there's been a one-on-one opportunity, Singletary usually gets the better of Milano, and that's tough to do. And I know Milano's coming back from the broken leg, so it's pro- he's probably not all the way there just yet, and it probably frustrates him a little bit. But Singletary, he's uh, he's slippery. He, he can uh, get up the field, and he's a lot quicker than you think he is. So uh, even though he's small and didn't really uh, become too big of a receiving threat uh, while at Florida Atlantic. All right, so the Bills are now seven days through training camp. They will next practice back in Buffalo, uh, in Orchard Park, I should say, at New Era Field on Friday night for their uh, lone night session. Um, And then they'll get a day off, come back to St. John Fisher for three straight days, and then that's it. Then training camp's over. Except for the joint practices. Except for the joint practices, but, I mean, still, training camp camp at at Fisher. Fisher. Done. Done. As of forever, who's to say? <laughs> as of Tuesday, it will be done. So, uh, so yeah, I'll, uh, uh, I'll I'll miss this storm. No, I won't. Um, but I'll, I will I'll, not miss I, it. I, I do. I do quite like training camp practices. I know. I, you know. The, it's not bad. The drive is what it is. But I mean, once you get here, it's it's kind of got a different feel to it than the regular season. So I, yeah, I, it's I don't got, mind it. It's. Um, it's a pretty good time. It's around this time where it starts to get, you know, especially at basically after they play a preseason game, it feels a little monotonous because yeah. they're scaling things back and everybody's seen them. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's a certain level of uh, intrigue to, I know these practices are public, but, you know, when a lot of our readers and listeners don't make it out to training camp practice and kind of enjoy, you know, you know, seeing what's going on, but once people see him in a preseason game, I think some of that intrigue, intrigue dies down, and you know you can kind of sense sense it in practice, even that they're getting into you know trying to get into regular season mode and and not as much in the evaluation stage. So we're but we still got a few days left here of uh, of interesting practices, and those joint practices I think will be bliss. 
Interesting. They will be hot. Yeah. I will be. I, I think I'm gonna have to bring the bucket hat. You've been. You have I've been, been flirting with it. I should have brought it today. The sun was real strong. I would say, outside of flirting, you have been threatening to wear I that have, bucket yes. hat I, to I, many I, people to the point in which I am scared. I now. know. I now have to wear. I'm. It's gonna be essential in Carolina, from what I understand. It is really hot down there right now. Hang on a minute. Hey, I can't believe we haven't talked about this even off the pod. Have you seen that freaking hat that Sean McDermott's been wearing the last three yeah, days? Yeah, that one's like a safari hat. It's a it's a floppy safari hat. I don't know what's going on with that thing. It looks custom made because I don't really see does. anybody else wearing one. Um, that's a, a hell of a hat. That my my bucket hat doesn't come close <laughs> no. to to that one. It's 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 intense. There's there's a lot going on. But he's a he's a fair skinned individual. Re- he's getting ready for. He knows what's coming in Carolina, yeah. and he's he's pacing himself. He doesn't want to take in too much sun. Mm-hmm. I still have not worn closed-toe shoes to training camp. Well, that... All flip-flops. That, because vacation... I, I don't know how to feel about that. Vacation ends when you take the flip-flops off, and I, I haven't been ready. I'm still in a vacation state of mind. Well, you just got back from your honeymoon. It's, yeah. it's to be under, so, understandable. So. so maybe I might have to do it down there. You know when that's yeah. where the rubber meets the road. You uh, know, like it's a measuring toes. Yeah, not ideal. No, but I don't know if the sun's going to be as big a deal as the humidity is going to be. The sun will be a huge deal. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to gear up for it. I'm going to start my hydration routine now so that I don't get too too burnt out. Going to be three of us down there from the athletic. I know it. Full court press. Oh yeah. Me, uh Mr. Fairburn here and uh Tim Graham. That uh scoundrel Tim Graham. He'll he'll be, he'll be down there. Five nights in those two states. He'll be popping on to the pod uh, while we're down there, I would assume. I mean, if he doesn't then he might, he might not like us anymore. Yeah, that's so, true. Which I I would be I would be torn up about. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Bills Beat. We will next speak with you sometime early next week uh, once the Bills kick things back into gear with practice. Maybe maybe to wrap up training camp, uh, maybe next Tuesday or something like that. But, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. Uh, but uh, lots of uh, things to get to. Only four more days of uh, actual practice until they get to their first preseason game of 2019 it's gonna be fun all right everybody thank you all for listening to this edition and we will next speak with you next week see you then